0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall show and podcast, broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia and houses 600 classic cars for sale and 300 barn finds on display. Be sure to check out more at ClassicAutoMall.com. Now, on to the show with our host, President of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howden.
0: Good morning, everyone, for listening to the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Jr. turned me up. Uh, see how I did that? That was pretty cool. Yeah. It? I just threw in a little subliminal thing, and he didn't even know. I don't hear Steve either, so uh, we just fix our technical difficulties while we're live. I
2: told you. <laughs> What the heck? Even though we're really—we have a finicky live. machine. It's got a brain of its own. It's
0: got a brain of its own, and you know that's the way we like it. So, and by <laughs> the way, last week when we were doing the show, it was there was a tornado warning in here, and you know that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, we didn't really leave or anything. We just, uh, you know, stayed here and continued on with the show, right?
2: Well, the mall's been here since 19- nineteen
0: eighty-five. It survived a lot of stuff, that's right? Over those years, right? So, uh, anyway, thanks to the Pat Travers band for the, our theme song, which is uh, offbeat ride from the 1977 album, putting it straight. That's a yep. great album. Did you ever listen to that? No. no, you didn't. Did you? You don't ever do anything. I don't hear you very well. Check, yeah. check, check. I hear you now. Uh, anyway, uh, a great week and we're doing this on a, we're recording this on a, on a, a an abnormal day for us. This is a Wednesday at noon. Mm-hmm. And why are we doing it on Wednesday noon? Cause we've got a special guest that we're not going to tell you about until it's <laughs> time. So we have 12 minutes to go through this before we, uh, tell you who's here. But, uh, anyway, um, had a pretty good week this past week, sold uh, a bunch of cars, and we have 920 cars in inventory as of t- this minute, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But where, may you ask, did we sell cars? That's where I would have How about Los Angeles, California, Riverside, California, Longwood, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Moncton, Maryland, Leo Minster, Massachusetts, Warrington, Virginia, Black Mountain, North Carolina, Delta, Pennsylvania, Langhorne, Pennsylvania, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Shadyside, Maryland, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Ickesburg, Pennsylvania, wherever the heck that is. Did I get that right? I don't know. Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, Fountain Hills, Arizona, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Trap, Pennsylvania, Seabright, New Jersey, Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, Endicott, New York, Hamburg, New York, Marcy, New York, Lehighton, Pennsylvania, Jacksonville, Florida, Hellertown, Pennsylvania, Elverson, Pennsylvania. Midwest city, Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. I'm like the FedEx guy. I can do that. <laughs> a lot, so, of lo- lot of local. Yeah. We're selling, selling. And, and it's cyclical. That's mm-hmm. a big word for the day. Um, it's cyclical in that we sometimes we are selling more cars in California and Florida mm-hmm. and sometimes we're selling more just right around the block here. So it proves and it's funny. 95% of them, even if they live within two miles of here, are drawn here from the Internet. So it's they see it on the Internet first, and then they realize, hey, that place is pretty close. Let me come see it uh, in person. And when you walk in here, I promise you, I don't care how jaded a car guy you are. You've got to be impressed with what you see. We've got a- 920 cars in a building.
2: I'm telling you, it's the best indoor car show in the country. Thank you. Did I pay you to say that? 12 months a year, yes, but that's okay. I still believe, <laughs> even, I still believe it. Even if it's torn- tornadic activity outside, <laughs> we're still
0: good, right? That's right.
2: Any weather, you can come in.
0: You know, last week we were talking about uh, some of the new inventory we got in. I forgot to mention the uh, 1969 Plymouth Roadrunner that we got in. Did you see that one in black velvet Oh, yeah. White? I mean, that's almost a near-perfect restoration.
2: B-body, that's my jam.
0: Yeah, 383 Coyote Duster V8, and, uh, and numbers matching, numbers matching A727 torque flight, uh, supposedly on one of three in the Mopar registry. Is that right? So they I
2: okay. Mean, you know, whoever
0: well, okay. controls
2: that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> got to be paperwork backing that <laughs>
0: Yeah. All original metal on that car, too. Yeah, so, beauty. Yeah, so... Uh, pretty amazing car, and uh very, very hot in the market right now. I mean, we are seeing Mopar products come in here, and they last for a week or ten days at the best, and then they're gone.
2: Mm-hmm. I saw a little '66 or '67 stuck in the back just just arrived. Looks yeah. like a recent arrival. Yeah, right. that's
0: a recent arrival. We got a '68 GT350 that just came in, mm-hmm. Acapulco blue. <laughs> I'm
2: telling you, it's a very exciting place to work. <laughs> Well, it's nice and walk through.
0: Yeah, because the the cool thing is, is that we tell people just, you know, here's your paperwork, we'll send it to you. And when you're ready to bring it in, just bring the car. Mm -hmm. So every day, just randomly people bring cars to us, you (laughs) know, and how cool is that? And 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 usually, usually people get it right on what they have. Sometimes, you know, the the one you worry about is the guy who calls up and he's not really a car guy. And he says, yeah, I got a 77 Mm -hmm. Cadillac Coupe de Ville and it's really nice for its age. That's a red flag. Nice for its age.
2: <laughs> hmm. That car is now 46 years old, right? 47 mm-hmm. years old, some kind of math. Like right. That. We don't do math on this show. <laughs> Why not? Because
0: neither of us <laughs> are really very adept at, adept at it. Yeah, you know, the math is not good. Anyway, uh another, which is really hot right now, pickup truck, 72 GMC 1500, medium red and white over black. One family owned from new. <laughs> So think about that. That's
2: 51. There you go again. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it to myself. You might want to put that in a notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if I had a producer who would, you know, give me all this stuff, then I wouldn't right. have to, you know, rack my brain to figure it out. Anyway, uh, it's an older restoration, rust free and pickup trucks are so hot right now. We just sold an 87 long bed Chevy pickup truck for $55,000. Wow. Jeez. I mean it's just crazy that it just doesn't even make sense amazing. yeah the 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 market on trucks is gone through the and Blazers and Broncos obviously have been doing well for a long period of time but it's pretty amazing to watch what these uh the pickup trucks are doing and I, you know it's that age it's the generational thing uh, it's just like we were talking about about you know what's hot in a certain Era, we had a younger guy who came in with his father when they brought their GT three hundred and fifty in today, and the younger kid was thirty years old. And of course, he was gravitating to the M three BMW that we oh, have, right. and the you know the stuff that that re- he remembered. And of course, my favorite story, which my wife hates, is the car that I generationally gravitated to is a nineteen seventy olds four hundred and forty two triple black convertible Cutlass. And the reason I gravitated to that car is because Bill McMillan had one of those Did in he? our neighborhood, and he dated a girl named Swan Brown. <laughs> And if you can imagine, you wouldn't name just any old girl Swan. Right. <laughs> you got a lot to live up to with that name. And I could hear on a Friday night I was about eight years old and I could hear that car coming down Holloway Drive in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I could hear the rumble of that and him hanging his arm out with that cigarette and that arm around Swan. And I'm like, that's, that's die it. and go to heaven. There so. it is. So um so I I did get to have one of those cars. And I got a swan with my wife. Uh-huh. So that's my that's a good one. Right there. Nice, so. nice. Yeah. You know, I know how to carry these points. Things, so. Yep. So, uh, anyway, swan, if you're listening, sorry, <laughs> break your heart, but, uh, anyway, uh, also in. 69 Mercury, Mercury Cougar XR7, mm-hmm. right over black with 57,000 original miles. Beautiful car. Isn't that hard to believe though? You know, yeah. car are that old, uh, and, and have less than 60,000 miles on. But this is a 1994 AACA first, national first place winner and a 2015 AACA best in show original. Uh, it's got a 351 Windsor, lots of documentation, which is what we love. You bring us a car with a trunk full of stuff. Not parts, but like literature and build sheets and, and, you know, original paperwork and all that. We're going to love you because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that we love to see because it shows the history of the car and it shows the documentation of everything that you need to know. And just because you say something doesn't always mean that it's so. And, you know, you ask people all the time, you know, the guy will say, well, I got a car and it's matching numbers. Well, how do you know? Well, because the guy I bought it from told me so. (laughs) Well, okay, that's great, (laughs) except he may not have been fully educated on what it is and the guy before him may not have been fully educated on what it is. And so, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, whisper in somebody's ear, you know, down the lane, down the lane. And and you find out that uh, the story gets a little convoluted as time goes on. So, um, you know, Listen, if you believe it is, we, you know, I have to. I hate to be the guy who has to call you and tell you, <laughs> you know, your numbers matching LS6 Chevelle was a Malibu with a 307 with a two-speed power. Cost. That's
2: right. That's right. You know,
0: and and what? Yeah, and I mean, it it happens. I gotta imagine that there are great, fantastic collections of cars that have cars that aren't real in them, and they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And because it's like if you're a billionaire, you should just get a fake Rolex. Why well, have a real one because everybody, nobody's going to think you're wearing a fake one if That's you're right. a billionaire, right? That's so right. as
2: long as you were told it was fake when you bought it, <laughs> right. then everything's okay. There are attorneys. I think we have Bruce on actually. Mm-hmm. Bruce Shaw. Who yeah. specialize in, uh, in misrepresentation. In
0: misrepresentation of fraud. Because just because a car is as is where is it is, it doesn't mean that you can materially misrepresent it or Correct. have an incorrect vent or it can't be stolen or whatever. I just wrote an article for the AACA Speedster that they send out their monthly newsletter about uh registering your car and paying your taxes. Because in the old days, you'd go to the cruise auction in Auburn and you buy a car in the car corral from a guy and he'd give you a title and it was signed by the guy who bought it in 1953 <laughs> uh-huh. and nobody's ever titled it. And it's changed 12 hands and nobody's wow. paid taxes nobody's titled it nobody's done anything they slap a plate on it and away you go those days are over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uncle, uncle sam wants their cut <laughs> they want their cut and and you know of course we get as as many car dealers do we get this all the time where the guy calls up and says Hey man, um, I bought that, uh, $100,000 XYZ from you. Can you put $50,000 on mm-hmm. the bill of sale? I don't, first of all, I don't know who you are, so no. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna be a, con- a conspiracy theorist in this whole thing, and now I'm the guy second getting sued.
2: Dealerships can't do
0: that. You cannot do that, and I'm sorry, and I know that I understand that. But listen, if you're gonna buy a $100,000 car. Yeah. Come
2: on, I mean. Right. <laughs> but if you're scrounging to buy a $20,000 car and, <laughs> a different and you different to animal. mark it yeah. $5,000 to, yeah. to lower your taxes, Yeah, it, I,
0: I, it I understand the reasoning behind wanting to do it, but I'm not going to risk my whole business model over, you know, putting a different price on something. Of course. I, I'd rather just not sell you the car and maybe you can find somebody who could do that for you and, you know, power to you. Right. So, uh, Anyway, other new inventory, 35 Rolls-Royce 2025 limousine. Did you see this thing? hmm it's in our main showroom, dark blue and light blue over black and blue. It's a Mulliner-bodied car, which if you don't know, back in the day, uh, manufacturers like Rolls-Royce and Packard and Duesenberg made the chassis and the engine and the suspension and yada, yada, yada. But the bodies could be made by Fleetwood or Mulliner or For Bonham sure. or all these different mm-hmm. uh, uh, body manufacturers. So they were coach-built. They were called coach-built cars. And they're the equivalent. Well, that was almost a hard word to say. They were the qui- now we'll never be able to say that uh-huh. yeah, of of a custom cars today, like a Chip Foos car, mm-hmm. the, you know, maybe a custom one off or a Boyd Coddington from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but these things were, you know, obviously uh, very, very customized. You could build it in any way you wanted it, in any format you wanted it. It uh, it was really, really, and and of course, bodies could have changed even back in the. You could have bought. A, convertible Duesenberg and then you wanted a four-door san- sedan as you mm-hmm. had a couple of kids or whatever it was. So that could change. Uh, and of course this one is aluminum bodied. Oh, wow. Or as the British say, aluminium. 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 It's a 3.7 liter inline six though. And it's got all the build info from the original, you know, original owners and all of that, which is really cool. Uh, also new, uh, 57 Turner 803 Roadster. You ever seen that? No. you seen the little red car though?
2: Oh, the Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know somebody who's working on a Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Red over black. One of four left hand drive Turner 803s. One of 19. In existence. So, you know.
2: Turners in general are super rare.
0: Yeah. A large binder of receipts and racing logbook and all the stuff that you want to find with these cars. And it's a Doug Frazier 948cc rebuilt engine. Uh And it's a fiberglass body. Mm-hmm. So, think about that. 57. That Well, it wasn't that rare because you had a Cor- uh, Corvette in 53. and
2: mm-hmm. But you'd, Kaiser be the only, you'd be the only one at the at the car show with a Turner.
0: Yeah. I would That's imagine. Safe, so safe to say. Probably the only one at any given time. Unless you're a Turner show. And- yeah, probably a Turner show has got, if there's 19 in existence, how many members, you know, they're all yeah. members of the Turner club. Right. How many actually go? So last but not least, a 64 Chevrolet Malibu convertible. Mm-hmm. This thing is spectacular and it's silver blue over blue, multiple AACA awards. It's an inline six though.
2: What? Yeah. Did oh. you not know that? No, I didn't know. Don't that. sound so. I mean, I haven't been out there today, so I. Well, I am disappointed. And studying, not
0: seen this car and gone frame off restored, factory fresh interior, power top, power windows. It's an amazing car. Mm. And even though it's an inline six, as you go, oh.
2: No, I mean, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. With I heard I just you didn't say, know. I heard the sigh. <laughs> you can't cover you know that. What, you out. know what kind of horsepower inline sixes are putting out these days? I don't know.
0: Yeah, a well, lot. Hey, what about that Camaro that we have? It's a 350 horsepower uh, six. Yeah. It's a V6, so probably, right. right? I guess I don't know. Again, I'll open my mouth about something I don't know. <laughs> Too, many
2: anyway, cars. Too many cars. <laughs> anyway, when we return
0: uh with the Classic Auto podcast, don't forget to visit us, classicautomall.com on the uh, web, and come see us here in person. Our hours are on our website. When we return, we will uh, be graced by the presence of a, an amazing car guy uh who actually lives in Pennsylvania. Brock Gates Jr. will be with us when we return. See you in
1: when it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes.
0: And you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, where we were just reminiscing about our parking lot uh with our guest today, Brock Yates, Jr. How are you, sir? I am fine, thank you. We've just met today for the first time, and we're already dear friends, so I yeah, don't exactly. we'll know how that works. You were telling us that uh, before we came on the air that you used to autocross in our parking lot back in the day.
3: Yeah, the uh, the local SCCA group put on a lovely autocross, and we would get we had way too much fun. It uh, had plenty of grip and, yeah. uh, you know, it, and there was nothing here. I think the mall was closed
0: at that it point. It probably was. Uh, it closed for a number of years and then it reopened as a furniture outlet mall. Then it closed for a
3: number of years after yeah, that, that. Was uh, It's improved dramatically since the, the
0: furniture mall, <laughs> I couldn't <can laughs> yeah. attest. Well, I still get uh, women who come in here and their convertible couches, you know, not working properly. And they want me to fix it somehow. <laughs> so, but yeah, I wanted to, I was, I'm involved with the blue I guess it's the Blue Ridge region of the SCCA is the region here. Right. Mm-hmm. And they do the hill climbs up in Redding. And I thought, that would be so much fun. So I went to watch it one time. And I'm about halfway up. And those son of a guns were doing like 160 at the top of the map. I mean, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute.
2: And, I thought yeah, this was just like a and, little.
3: And you don't need the same safety equipment you need for a racetrack exactly. either. I exactly. Mean, it's just, it's a roll bar. <laughs> and it's a helmet. I mean, and yeah. they're, they're flying. They are flying. Well, they've they're been coming... flying for a 100 years up there. I
0: know. And they come up to that pagoda, and they're, I mean, it's narrow, and they're really, and I thought, you know, this would have been fun for me, but this is, seems a little too serious for what I'm looking for. You know, I really just want to <laughs> have fun and punch it everywhere. I went to Maple Grove and took my little M3 BMW up there, and I put it in, manual uh, paddle shifting and we're going down the track and the guy's filming me doing it. And I'm so giddy after forgetting that I'm the one who's supposed to be shifting. You know, it's just like, it's, it's a little overload when you're racing at 10 tenths uh, of a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Actually,
3: this last weekend was, uh, Denny Parisian puts on the race for uh race for the house. And it's a uh charity for the Ronald McDonald's house in right. Philadelphia. Right. And he has a giant drag race for charity right. in, there. And he raises he probably raised a hundred thousand dollars. I, I mean wow. I mean he probably had uh two hundred cars racing. Oh my God. he's been doing that for about fifteen years now and it's and you run what you bring. Right. So you, you and your M three would show up right and you'd be in the in the uh uh amateur class. Right. <laughs> well, and, appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was able to, for years, to get into the amateur class because I had only drag raced a little
2: bit more than everybody else.
3: But um no, it, I mean, it's, you get your uh, set, uh, dial-in runs sure. and then you, it's a single elimination bracket race and, you know, you
0: win or you go home and, yeah. it, but it's all for a really, really good cause. So that's the thing I love about these car events. We do a lot of in our parking lot, but there's just a lot in general. Car guys are really the type of people that give back. Mm-hmm. And we see it. I mean, gosh, you watch it at Barrett Jackson, the amazing amount of money that they'll spend on a car million bucks on serial number one car. And it's usually Rick Hendrick and who cares because he's putting a million dollars towards a charity or somebody sure. in need. But we get that even in our parking lot. We do a, a show called cars for Casey and it's a guy who lost his dog. And to uh, uh, meth or addiction, and uh, they do, a, and they raise tons of money for it. Mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful that people, you know, do that. And I know that, um, you know, we all want to participate more when it's an event like that because
3: that's what just, it's all about. Just like one lap, uh, yeah. one last time running uh, for 40 years now. Forty years. Forty years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's my, my father, you know, invented a race that, uh, <laughs> you know, because the cannonball got too serious right. and too dumb. Uh, but there's always been a charity component to that. Sure. We've sure. raised tens of millions of dollars for Ronald McDonald's house. Uh, every year, um, every, I mean, 10 or 20 teams will be racing for various charities. Sure. Uh, we had uh, one, uh, two for, well, we support the Alzheimer's Association. Right. And another guy showed up with James Clay and he and raised a, just a ton of money for another Alzheimer right. um, uh, situation. So no, we've, there, like you said, there's always been a charity component to racing. It also helps al- alleviate some of the guilt about spending hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah, in stupid right. activities and say, well, I'm, I'm going to give some of it to charity. And, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, i yeah, yeah, wasted you know billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, here's five dollars. No,
0: well, you know it's funny. I, uh, and one of my favorite sayings is racing costs the same day as it did 20 years ago, every penny you got. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Brock Yates Jr.'s father was Brock Yates, Yates Sr., uh, who was one of my favorite writers back in the day with Car and Driver magazine. And, and he reminded me a lot. He was so irreverent in so many ways. He reminded me a lot of Hunter Thompson. He was just that he was gonzo journalism for cars. He was. And he was untethered.
3: Right. I um, love that untethered. He, I mean, that was a great thing about Hunter. Hunter was one of my great heroes. Right. And, uh, he, he, and he was allowed to write what he wanted to write. And, and Brock was lucky to be in the golden age of automotive journalism where you, you could piss off the, uh, the advertisers now sure. and then to tell the truth. And it helped them make better cars. Now, uh, you cannot say bad things about a new car as an automotive journalist. Otherwise, you lose your job. Yeah, exactly. You lose your sponsor. You lose your job.
0: Yeah, you, you miss the, the good old days when you could do that. And he really called them out with regard to their just laziness of, of of being content of where they were. General Motors, the big three, General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, uh, because they were making crap cars in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were horrible. Well, they, they, they missed the market. They missed
3: the trends they decided that whatever they built people would buy right that, and that turned out to be a a, a little bit arrogant yeah
0: yeah. I mean, you know, they kept my, my grandfather was a great example. Every year he bought a new Cadillac and he just, I mean, they, and for not only did he get a bad car, but they just stuck it to him. I mean, you know, he paid, you know, X amount of dollars for it and they gave him 20 cents on the dollar, uh, when he re- traded it back in and but it know. was worth 20 cents on a dollar. I mean, you think
3: <laughs> of the depreciation of those things. I mean, I mean, back in the seventies, if a car lasted a hundred thousand miles, that was a, that was a big
0: deal. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I remember that the, the guy who was the engineer who lived on the street of us uh his cars were all 120,000 miles on them, but you know he changed the oil i think every other day
3: <laughs> yeah i mean you, you they just weren't designed to last that long no. and, and if and if you're anywhere north of the mason-dixon line they rusted out in a matter of you know hours
0: yeah i mean I, and i wonder that today's in today's technology i mean they've gotten to the point where i don't know if do newer vehicles even rust anymore i mean is that even possible Do they have a- uh, JR is shaking his head. He must have a rust bucket of something.
3: Go to to Buffalo. (laughs) They do rust. I can attest to that. But, but, you know, on the other hand, you know, most of us aren't washing our cars all the time.
0: Right, right. And not driving them in the inclement weather if you got something nice, right? I I don't know. I think if you have a car, you just drive it. Well, you know, look at what the Concorde Elegances have started doing, not started doing, but really embraced is the the tour of the day before and if you don't participate in that and there's a tie between your car and the car that did participate then you get the nod sure. because you participated in right. the tour and they're not taking off for rock chips and little stuff like that right. which
3: is the way it should be i mean cars should be driven i mean they, they, they weren't you know they weren't designed and built to be hung on the wall
0: right exactly you know, and
3: they're happier they'll last longer they'll I maybe mean, just Everything great benefit to driving them. And why would you buy something just so you can sell it so somebody else could enjoy it?
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I think part of the the problem is is that people own too many cars nowadays. You know, in the old days, a guy would have one collector car, and that was it in the '60s and the '70s. And now, just the regular guy has got well, I got five or six cars now, or I got ten cars, or I got twenty cars, (laughs) or I got however many cars. And the problem is, damn it. I'm all good with that until I get in the one car that doesn't have the the phone charger or it doesn't have the easy pass or it doesn't have the, you know, I, I or, complain about this. Or he dies and his family position. What the
3: <laughs> fuck is all this about, right?
2: <laughs> what am I going to do with
3: this? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah. it's just like, uh, you know, someday, some of this will all be yours. We were just yeah, talking about exactly. that yeah, earlier. Yeah, the, we, the yeah. garage full of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, um, it, it's funny because I tell people all the time, I said, you know, make a plan for your cars that, you know, don't leave your family hanging on this deal because you're going, I know that you think you're invincible and you're never going to die, but that's not the truth. No. And and you should make a plan for it, so uh the funny thing I was reading about your dad was the uh uh he was fired the most by david e davis who was who ran car and driver he was fired once i think right, and that was by male
3: grammar <laughs> because that doesn't date you, would you say yeah that. i mean i <laughs> you know I'm not gonna speak ill of the dead he's right. my father of David E but right. <laughs> They both managed to take themselves very seriously.
0: (laughs) And David was really, really good at
3: being pain ass. Right.
0: Well, I think your dad once said that uh we were both tough, opinionated sons of bitches who often went head to head, but at the core loved and respected each other. They did. That sounds about they right. Did. right. And they
3: did. And they made up after... Brock started the, the Cannibal Express, which was a little newsletter. Right. And based on his connections to the industry and his per, uh, proclivity to live on the telephone, um, you know, in the late 70s, he just knew a lot of things. Sure. And a lot of stuff... You know, wouldn't last to the three month lead time for a car driver. Right. And it, you know, just made sense that he would, uh, start something and David took great umbrage at, uh, right. at that.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, your dad also reminded me a little bit of Kirk White, who is the local Ferrari dealer here, uh, in this part of the world who, uh, wrote a newsletter for his dealership and it was, Always well written. I mean, I, you know, we always love reading your dad. It's, we were excited that, you know, when the mailman came with the car and driver and it was exciting. And, and now I had—I I don't I can't remember the last time I read one. I, well, when Brock was fired in 2005, I canceled my
3: subscription Sure. dutifully and Brock I don't miss is- it at all. I mean, yeah. because it's now, it's just now a parade of cartels because that's what the market of the magazine readers are. They don't want fun stuff. Right. I mean, they, you know, the, um, you know, car driver sponsored one lap until 2007 or something. And they do a story and I check the online comments and one person would comment. Right. It. But if they did a test on the Honda Odyssey, there would be thousands <laughs> and thousands of comments. So it just, there's just not that that magazine doesn't appeal to that market anymore. I mean, gone are the days of the, you know, Brock and Charlie Fox and... Steve Smith showing up mm-hmm. at a, uh, bi- uh dirt, uh, tra- uh, drag strip that was half built and doing the Lamar start society race <laughs> on a, on a dirt, uh, <laughs> uh, drag
0: strip. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, it was funny, weird yeah. stuff, but you know, people bought that because it was fun.
0: I love the April issues where they always tested something oddball, like one of those big earth movers down at these coal mines and Brock did a test
3: on a, her- on a Unimog watch. <laughs>
0: yeah, Unimog. That's a great name. I love that Unimog. that's can, a great car. Oh, that's I a wish really I had thing. one. Or the Pinsgauer. Remember those? Those, uh, big six-wheeled behemoths that, uh, would crawl through, I guess, anything? And, oh, uh, yeah.
3: he did a, did a test on the Earth machine. What Earth, I mean, it was this giant milk, um, uh, uh, milk tank with, right. with six wheels. <laughs>
0: Of course that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, but it was fun stuff back then and mm-hmm. you look forward to it and it was irreverent sometimes and, and the way that they wrote was just so it flowed so well. It was it was they wrote like you would talk and I'd never experienced anybody writing like they talked. Well they before it
3: that. was such an eclectic group of people that 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 they all kind of fed on each other and they're all friends and they all showed up at weird places right. and they all went to racetracks together and I mean, my my growing up was with Leon Mandel and and again Charlie Fox and Steve Smith and and, and, you know and and uh, uh, just Bruce McCall just strange wonderful creative. Whack people
0: well and you got to love that because that's what makes the world go around and that's what makes the classic car and car hobby and drag racing and racing hobby so so much fun so anyway when we return we'll re- continue our conversation with brock h jr on the classic automob podcast live from the classic automob studios in morgantown pennsylvania but not really live see you in a minute
1: it's a museum it's a showroom it's an experience The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes.
2: Since the 1960s. J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's
0: Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. I'll back to the Classic Auto Mall podcast in the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, where it is, you know, there, I mean, gosh. Morgantown Ferrari is just, it's it's right behind the Morgantown Four Seasons, right? If you just take a left and go over behind and you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: don't have a lot to do here. Okay. That's just, you know, it's, it's the reality of it. Although we're very close to a lot of different places. So, you know, that makes it fun. We have a Maple Grove drag strip about seven miles north of here and, and, uh, the Coatesville Grand Prix is down close to where it, you live, Brock. You it know, is. that's actually kind of fun. Uh, we've been a sponsor of that for a couple of years down there and that's interesting because it's an odd place for it, but, uh, seems Well, to do it's, well.
3: A, it's a city that is in, in flux. I mean, right. it was a, Awful, you know, when the steel mills closed down, I mean, everything went to hell. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of people trying very hard to to make it a viable city again. You know, uh, you know, it's going to be multi-ethnic. It's going to be all kinds of things, but you know, it's, it's not a, it's got a, uh, it's a city with history. It's a, it's it's a pretty place in the planet. And uh, Phoenixville, the same type of a deal. A few years ago, when I moved to Phoenixville in 1998, it was awful right i mean just wretchedly poor and right. you know and and over the over time it's improved i mean now it's a a, a hot place to go
0: sure well and you see that in a lot of areas around here i mean there there were some difficult times in pennsylvania when the steel mills closed and i know that the little neighborhood behind our place here is all where bethlehem steel executives that lived in these homes over here and they were just basically abandoned at some point in time they all come back and they're nice and you know well maintained and kept up now but i mean there was there were some times i was in allentown a couple of weeks ago man that place is still a little bit depressing though. Mm-hmm. you know it still has that feel of a town that you know doesn't know where to go right you know? redding too yeah, yeah redding is like yeah. that absolutely you know and you know it's a shame because they these are towns that have a lot to offer and and you know we uh We we like to support the area because we have a business that's basically worldwide that does things all over the you know we sell cars all over the world um but we certainly like to support our home area and I think that uh, and Pennsylvania is such a car world (laughs) it's surprisingly how many how many cars there are
3: out here it is amazing you know the collections that not only Boyertown but the private collections all through the area I live on in Horse Country in uh, South of Coatesville. And you know, I'll sit in a chair, you know, on a weekend after uh, morning, and see a Ferrari, right. and I'll see an MG, right. and I'll see a Sprite, right. and I, you know, and, and just weird stuff goes by, right. and you know, and and that means they're lurking around nearby,
0: yeah. Yeah, somebody owns them fairly close to there because they're not driving those long, long distances. No, I wouldn't. No, especially an yeah. MG. I mean, <laughs> would. Well, Jesus god. Now, all you MG fans, please don't send us no, cards and letters. No, don't, <laughs> Jesus God. I
3: mean, I mean, I was, I was driving down a throughway or in. in, in Freeway in, uh, in Vermont right. in my pickup truck and I came up on a Lotus Europa.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> and, I'm <is> thinking, you-
3: <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, that wouldn't even slow me down. If I, I mean, m g uh, MG, God. I mean.
0: <laughs> exactly. So what would your dad have driven back in the day when he was driving and wanted to hop in something fun to go run around?
3: We, shop? we, uh, uh, growing up, we had a, we lived out in the middle of freaking nowhere too. <laughs> and we, we had an old, you know, uh, Western New York barn right. that uh, Bruce McCall labeled as Brock and Sal's Museum of Auto Memories. Right. <laughs> um, my, my, Sally was my first, uh, my my mother. Right. And, uh Pam is his second his wife. But the, um, we had at various times we had the Dodge Challenger, which right. is the cannonball car. Yep. Uh, he had a Ferrari Luso GT. Oh, wow. 250 GT. Right. Uh, they'd bought from Kirk White Right. And owned her for a couple of years, bought it for $5,000. That was a stretch. Yeah. And, and it was a lot of money back then. Yeah. 70, 70. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and finally some gas station attended, tweak the trunk because you had to undo the, There's a little rod. Right. And to, and he, and he got tired of owning a car he had to worry about too much. Right. So he sold it back to Kurt for $8,000. Thought he made a ton of money.
0: Well, it turned out not
3: to be true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and today that car is probably worth the, 750 yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe a million bucks, yeah, you know, yeah, on a, yeah, on yeah, a good um,
3: day. Uh, no, we had, um, uh, he had a uh, 37, 30, 33 Bentley, uh, right hand drive. Right. Uh, had a, uh, tri-power, uh, 64 and a half GTO. Wow. wow. He was uh, on top of it then. He we, had a- We had an Alpha that he replaced it, the GTV that he replaced the uh, Ferrari with. We had uh, my first car. He, he dragged me down to a Fern car dealership. Fern. 20. Yeah. No. Yeah. I went <laughs> Fern back then. And especially where I came from. Right. And, uh, he says, give this man all your money. Mm-hmm. He didn't buy it for me. It was my money. Right. I paid five hundred dollars for a Lancia Fulvia coupe. Nice. And so, you know, a mine was an eclectic and that doesn't include the 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 four dozen cars that you know, the the manufacturers had drop off sure. at various times. Yeah, he would he got to drive just everything. Yeah, and we I mean they would just leave him there.
0: Didn't, didn't he take one to a race one time accidentally? Oh, uh, the 350 uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mustang, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of did a little damage to it. And no, then, actually yeah. his co-driver did it. Yeah, it did
3: <laughs> of it. course. Yeah, Chuck pesky, Ruger, which is a pesky uh, co-driver. Uh, passed away a couple of years ago, uh, a few years ago. Um he has a, is one of the other, uh, Walk of Fame, uh, recipients in Watkins Glen. He was a very, uh, very active member, right. of the racer. Actually, Bronkin, he campaigned a, um Dodge chart, uh, uh, Dodge dart at Daytona in, uh, mid sixties.
0: Wow. And we're 14th overall. Not Just bad. a couple of guys Just showing a, up. Like doing their, whatever they yeah, do, right? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Though. Okay. What happened to the, the uh, challenger? Do we know where that car yeah. is today? I, I could pinpoint it within
3: 50 miles. Right. Um, my stepmother still, well, my stepmother still has it. Right. Um, it's making various appearances. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with it.
0: Is it making appearances on a tour to yeah. be sold? You think, or is it?
3: I think. Well, you know, it's a difficult family situation. Sure, but sorry uh, for bringing it up. Uh, it's well, it, <laughs> Brock had stipulated it was mine, you know, right, uh, in the will. And when Brock got Alzheimer's, the will was uh, voided, and Pam kept the cars. Sure. Uh she just sold the Eliminator for oh, quite a bit of money. Yeah, it went to Bruce Meyer, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Uh and that one I don't think she dare sell it because she knows everybody'll knock on her door and kill her. Right. Um <laughs> it's it's also Don't only, come looking for
0: Brock if It's that also happens.
3: one of those cars that is only valuable to a few people that know. Yeah, because it's just it's a base model challenger. Sure. I mean there there is There was nothing special in the car. And I, you know, I think if if I know my father was probably one of those deals that he got from Moon Mullins at Chrysler back in the day. Sure. And he, and you know, took it down to a, uh, Cotton Owens and had a little bit of work done to it. And it was for the time pretty quick. Right. Uh, But nothing
0: compared to. A Emmy car.
3: No, no, and and especially since it had a 273 rear end in it. Right, right, right. Well, that made sense for the long distance part of it. Right. And they were trying to keep it off the four barrel to keep it good, which it, it handled, I mean, it handled well for the day. Right. Uh, I did a a thing with, uh, Idris Elba, uh, for BBC TV and I had, had to go pick up the car and drive it into New York City. Oh. And it sound yes, nice. it got a lot of attention. Yes, it made all the right noises, but good God, it handled badly and it was really slow. And the potholes. See, got yeah. <laughs> you, know, and- you know, we we all, you know, we think that, God, the old cars handled so well. No, it, it was did. vague and awful and slow and had no brakes.
0: You know, it's uh, it's funny how we have false memories about things sometimes. You know, you think you remember something in a good way, and then you have it again, or it's like a food. My big fear is I'll find a Fulvia
3: coupe that I can afford. <laughs> that may be difficult to do these days. Yeah, I know right? that, but you know, it's the same time. You know, the, the, I did preface it the right way. Sure. Not yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. But the the same time, or or I get an opportunity to drive one because you know I have fabulous memories of that sure. car.
0: And you know what? Sometimes it's better to leave those memories as memories because sometimes you get, you know, you get the car that you wanted or the, you know, whatever, and it doesn't turn out that great. Um, anyway, um, the Cannonball Run, such an iconic race that became a series of movies. Uh, the first one was your dad and Dan Gurney. And, and if, those of you don't know, Cannonball Run was a race from basically from New York City to Redondo Beach. No, California. Cannonball Run was the move. Right.
3: <laughs> the Cannonball Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash. Right. Was the, the race? race that Brock started in spring of 71. And we, I was on it. Right. I heard that. Bro. And uh Steve Smith and Jim Williams, who later became the uh, art director or car driver. Um, we all showed up the Red Ball Garage expecting other people to show up. <laughs> and, of course, they all wimped out. <laughs> so we took this poor Dodge van all the way to Redondo Beach in 40 hours and 51 minutes. Wow! And it was an amazing trip. It was amazing because every time I drive cross country, subsequently, I'm re- I'm, I'm I realize how much the world has changed. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. You know, we drove into Albuquerque and over the top of the pass. I don't know if you've ever dri- driven into Albuquerque, but the the whole valley is filled with lights. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a, an enormous city. Right. And when we drove in, there was a little tiny spot of lights at the wow. bottom and and Route 66, you had to follow Route 66, we had to turn stop and turn right at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> that is no longer the case.
0: Right. <laughs> and could you, I mean, how did you even find gas back then? That was a real concern yeah. because
3: there weren't, there were no 24 hour sheets gas and
0: wawas. Yeah, and- I mean, there, you
3: know, on the, on the main roads, there were some people, you know, there right. were some and we, you know, you didn't dare let the, the tank get very low. And of course <laughs> right. you carried a couple of gallons with you just, just in, in case, just in case, right? But uh, no, it was, a, you know, it was fabulous. It, um, and, and But anyway, as soon as Brock wrote the story about our adventure, um, got a note from, uh, Oscar Kovaleski, who was just recently passed. Right. Um, and saying, we challenge you, but we require pole position. Right. So uh, they get to leave first. Right. And a, uh, and Brock somehow wheedled a, a uh, Ferrari from Kurt White. Right. And at the last minute, Dan Gurney, acquiesced to show up. Wow. And uh that was a very last minute deal. I don't I i
0: there was a chance Brock wouldn't even have gone. Gone at all. Yeah. Was and, and I I gotta imagine that you know tiredness and all that factors in, but reliability had to be as big a factor as anything back then, or was it?
3: Uh I don't remember the long I mean cars broke.
0: Right. Uh but
3: I mean it's, it's highway miles Are probably the easiest miles on a car. Period. Even if you're going fast. Even if you're going fast. In in one of the first cannonballs, or one lapse, rather, subsequent event. Right. A guy, a dealer, showed up with two Halpas, Lamborghini Halpas. Right. Right. And he and he sold them as used after the event. (laughs) And he, he got. He said. Those are the most reliable cars I ever sold. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, because you have this nice, easy break-in, you know. Sure. Constant running miles. Right. Um... You know, yes, sir, you know, we had dogs hit and, you know, things, you know, things <laughs> happen. Awesome. Yeah, and, and, you know, transmissions fall out. Sure. You know, no, no, but that's the stuff you see normally on anyway.
0: Yeah, anytime you're driving a car. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when we return, uh, we'll continue our conversation if you'll stick around for the last segment with us, uh, <laughs> with the Classic Auto
2: Mall podcast cast with Brock Gates Jr. Talk to you in a minute. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app.
1: It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. we are back to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast from the Classic Auto Mall Studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, where it's a... I don't know what day it is. It's some day that's not our normal day. But that was my fault, so I kept canceling on our guests, so I apologize for that. Anyway, Brock Yates, Jr. is here in the studio with us, and we were talking about the Cannonball Run, and uh, just off the air we were talking about my father-in-law was actually in that movie. <laughs> Mel Tillis uh, was in Cannonball Run 1 and 2, and in Smoking the Bandit 2. And I think your dad was involved in all three of those, wasn't he? Or two uh, of them, anyway. Brock, Brock and Hal Needham were very close. Yeah.
3: Yep. And Brock had written as practice "Smoking the Bandit" too, right? Or at least had a hand in it. Sure. Uh He then wrote "Cannibal Run," the first one. And when I say he wrote it, he got the credit for it. It was rewritten thereafter. And you, know, all kinds of things happened, and, and it was originally cast for St- um, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. What would? Uh, and but Steve McQueen developed cancer right. and wasn't able to do it, and Bert. Was just a well, an opportunist enough that he swore he'd never do another car movie until Hal right. said, "I'll pay you five million
0: dollars." <laughs> of course, you know my favorite Burt Reynolds car movie is not that one. It's White Lightning, the White Lightning, or Gator. Gator White was Lightning. pretty good. <laughs> right.
3: But God, my favorite car movie is Driven. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Really? No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually,
0: so uh, White Line Feet. For, yeah, for I forgot about that one. So, in your opinion. Or maybe in, you know, in Brock's thoughts back in the day, how would Cannonball have been different with Steve McQueen in it? Would it have been a different movie? It would have been a completely different movie. Brock wrote it more like,
3: there was a movie called Cannonball and Gumball Rally. Right, I remember that, Gumball that, Rally. That, yeah. that came out previously. Right. And, and based on the fact that the, the, cannon, uh, the, the Cannonball was a uh, news event, he wasn't able to uh, stop them from doing it. Gotcha. Uh, oh, right, because it's public domain. Um, yeah. Yeah. And those two movies actually captured the spirit of Cannonball better than Cannonball Run. <laughs> wow. And Brock had written it more as a, you know, not a documentary, but a, sure. more of a action movie rather than a cameo-laden movie. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was and a little was, overdone.
3: In that it movie. was really, I mean, I have seen Cannonball Run twice. Right. Brock saw most of it the first time and that was it as far as I know. Wow. Um, and any uh, credits he got in Cannonball 2 and 3 were contractual, not his actual, Just, uh, not yeah. his actual participation because he was really oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and he caught a lot of flack from his friends because, you know, he cashing in on Hollywood, right. destroying right. The, the image of Cannonball.
0: Although it must have been a pretty nice paycheck to get it through be, a number of years. I think it did. Yeah. So nothing wrong with that, I guess. If, you know, it depends on, hey, listen, if I could be a part of a movie and be set for the rest of my life financially, I'd probably do it regardless of even if it was, you know. It's uh, it, it's pretty amazing that, I mean, even back then to get away with it, but even in later years, I mean, aren't, they, I know that you're doing the one lap, which is, uh, you know, very charity based and, and, and but it's not. It, it's safe and sane. It's safe and sane. You're going fast on places where you're supposed to go fast, a right. racetrack, right. and not on the streets and and all of that. And I mean, I think I, I read somewhere where Brock finally said, you know, he saw some guy a Lamborghini with four escort radar detectors mounted in various places. And and, that
3: was the that was the car in the movie. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it was like this is getting out of hand. Yeah, she did. And yeah.
3: it was 1981, and just said no. Uh, you know, we're going to pull a, put a bullet in Cannonball. We're going to hurt somebody. Yeah. Somebody's going to, and then it'll lose any. And subsequently that there was a U.S. Express and, and a, and a bunch of, um, uh, weird, well, not weird, but, um, recreational or, or social events that, right. uh, Cannonball 3000 and, and Cannonball Run and, and some other, uh, Fireball and other ones that, that were not sanctioned by anybody. Uh, that were, um, not particularly well run nor safe. It was basically a, a staged rally between hotels where you drink heavily and do the next, do the same thing the next day. And, uh, I was quoted by the Toronto Sun years ago when the, uh, Cannonball 3000 was going through Canada, much to the Canadians' disgust. <laughs> what I thought of it, and I said, yeah, those events are run by young, pretentious, pretentious, rich
0: folks, you know, with, that are bored. That are bored.
2: They have um, better to do.
0: <laughs> Good way to put it. What, uh, we know what the record is today, isn't it? 20? It's
3: 25 hours, something like <laughs> That's that, with an Audi. Um, COVID opened up the highways to Right. Uh, cross country records. So I me, mean, and Ed Boleyn is a good friend of mine. He was the one that's first and really put the, 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 a notch on the record. He right. ran 2850. And, which is very fast. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and now, you know, and, and, uh, Alex Roy had, had done it, uh, a few years before and at 2905 or something like that. But, and he tried to make a movie out of it and he tried to really monetize it. Where, right. um. Ed Bolian did it for, uh, I think, all the right reasons, and and actually went to visit my father in the in, uh, in the hospital before he died. Right. He was, uh, but but in, uh, it's caught on and in in kind of a cult way. Right. I went to a Cannonball reunion in uh, Long Island uh, in September, and there was a whole bunch of folks that had, you know, this is fun. This is right. what they do. As right. A matter of fact, a, a really good friend of mine got his uh vantage and drove from the Red Ball Grange to Portofino and back in seventy one hours.
2: Gosh.
3: And arrived in time for the reunion.
0: Wow.
3: And I looked at him and I said, you're a good friend of mine, but that was really <laughs> I mean what and then some guy went out and broke it the you, know, you, know, you know I mean it's you know the it's so easy well The world has changed so much. Sure. Uh, It used to be that, you know, policemen had radar and it it was a big part of it. And now you can drive across Pennsylvania and virtually the entire country and never see a policeman.
0: Oh, I I, I make note of that going down the turnpike all the time where you hardly see. Every once in a while, you'll see one on the side of the road, but not like it used to be. No. Used to be. And I don't know if that's a staffing thing or, you know, whatever it is. But
3: uh, No, I mean, in the whole scheme of things, it's a nonviolent crime. Right. I mean, you know, there's so much more to worry about.
0: That's what I would sure think, and, so.
3: Uh, you know, yes, it's a revenue enhancement, uh, or revenue source. Um, uh, but it's really not that much money when you think about it. You know, it Pennsylvania is what, 130 bucks for a speeding ticket? Right, right. <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: Well, and I think that, uh, you know, listen, there are people that do crazy things. I mean, we read about almost every day in the newspaper and much crazier than what we're talking about. Like the guys, you know, and that poor guys in that submarine and that type going to view the Titanic. It's like... Seems like, um, uh, a stretch of something to do and, and, you know, doesn't yeah, seem like fun. I think I would have wanted to see the build certification yeah. on that one before it got <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So, uh, you know, uh, cannonball started obviously because kind of a thumbs, you know, a, a middle finger to the establishment mm-hmm. and all that, right? Brock, I mean,
3: Brock was trying, was pr- pr- proposing a master driver's license back then that a good driver trained driver should be able to drive quicker than a normal driver and in, in a safe manner in a safe manner right. and they, so essentially that he was proving that good drivers could traverse long distances at high speeds safely mm-hmm. and more or less that came to pass sure. i mean that um, uh however in a parallel track driving became a right rather than a privilege and so we are we're seeing a degradation in, in the average driving skills. Most people drive, think they're, you know, an average driver or better. Mm-hmm. In reality, everybody sucks. Yeah, except me and you. I, no, no, I, <laughs> I, 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 again, I, I mentioned that I teach driving. Lady came out of the, uh, the classroom one day and she said, they asked me how good a driver was. And I told them I was a 10. I said, madam <laughs> I've taught driving. I've raced. I've done all kinds of stupid things with cars my entire life. I'm a six. Right. Because I know what a 10 is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. A 10 is Jackie Stewart. Yeah. You don't yeah, know the difference yeah, yeah. between acceleration and braking, yeah. you know, that-
3: where you're, <laughs> you have total control right. over the car at all times and, and and you have so many more options. Right. You know, and, and that, that level of skill is, is way beyond what I'm capable of. But so my point is that where everybody's really driving around as a two thinking they're an eight. Yeah.
0: And, and does the one lap promote, uh, safe driving and, and, and different things like that? I mean, is that part of the goal of the one lap? Well, we
3: require two driving schools, uh, to, right. to show up. Um, yes, I, I promote, I'm very proactive in the driver safety. Right. I'm the first, uh, uh, time trial to require a head and neck restraints. Um, uh, we, we, I have and will throw out people that, uh, act like idiots, mm-hmm. either on the highway or on the racetrack. Sure.
0: So can anybody join the one lap tr- deal? I mean, can anybody?
3: Anybody with a car? Anybody with, uh, s- some racing experience? Well, yeah. track experience.
0: So you'd have to go to two different schools, which would be like, uh, I don't know, Skip Barber? Oh, yeah. Or, no,
3: or, I, actually we're, we're much more flexible than that. NASA, SECA, oh, gotcha. Chin, um, uh, Hooked on Driving. Yeah. Uh, all those, all those things provide in, in classroom uh, training and on the, on racetrack training. And we've managed to, uh, uh, since I took it over from my father, kind of rebuilt it away from the cult of personality, which he was right. such a giant human, you know, giant sure. presence to a, um, pretty, uh, a pretty amazing, uh, event right now. It's a standalone week. You know, I, I will open up the, uh, uh, registration at the end of August and in two days I'll have a wait list.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And how many
3: miles is the whole? It varies, but usually it's around 3,500 miles and, oh. and seven racetracks. What's
0: the ideal car for it?
3: You know, people think of cars. It's not. It's the driver. Right. It, at the core of this event, it is a driver's event. Right. Um, and at the same time, it used to be the it used to be the Viper, and then it was the Corvette, mm-hmm. and then it was the Porsche. And then it was the GTRs. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of back to well, it's a Corvette last year, uh GT three this year. Right. Uh the commonality in the the last three years is the same driver. Mm-hmm. Really? That's interesting.
0: Different cars, same driver. Right. And, uh,
3: the, uh, Tom O'Gorman is a brilliant, uh, uh, amateur driver, uh, pr- may or may not be on the verge of going pro, uh, but he's actually spectacular. Uh, you know, James Clay, who's the, uh, uh, Bimmerworks sure. uh, mm-hmm. driver, he was eighth in a, you know, M3. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's just, you know, there's lots of, you Eddie Hollis, the other, one of the riders for Grassroots Motorsports, brought up, um Honda CRX one you it rained a lot, so he was fourth overall. Front wheel drive. Front wheel drive. <laughs> yeah. You is. know, again, it's a, uh, you know, we've got, you know, we've, this year we had a GT3, a Toyota Supra, second, wow. making 45 pounds of boost. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus must have had a hand in it. Oh, that. good God. I mean, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> you know, but we've always, we've always loved the eclectic cars too. We had sure. an uh, MG show up with a, a 302 in it.
0: <laughs> well, of course, that makes perfect yeah. sense. And, uh, and Those uh, car
3: guys. a Rambler wagon. Oh, how funny. I mean, it, it, we'd much, you know, in the whole scheme of things, I'd, I'd much rather see the weird cars having fun. In the, sure. Than the the, the the fast cars driving into shit. yeah Yeah. I mean- um, you look down at the if you go to one lap of the results are posted. Right. And you'll see anomalies throughout the system. Sure. You know, where's, you know, the slowest cars are towards the front and the fastest cars are towards the rear because it's really, it's about driving.
0: Right. Skill of driving and time and all And that
3: also different... one lap requires special skills because you're only given one lap of practice.
0: And do you do like Road Atlanta and Road America and oh, tracks yeah. like that or smaller tracks? Uh, Nelson Lodge was the first day, Road Atlanta the second day,
3: uh, Nashville Super Speedway, uh, third. Then we went down to Eagle Canyon. In uh, Dallas, which is right. probably the nicest unknown racetrack oh. in the country. Uh, then we went up to Hallett, finished up at the National Corvette Museum.
0: What a wonderful uh, uh, visit we had here today. I appreciate so much being here. Well, thank and, you for having yeah, me. Yeah, and give us that website
3: one more time. OneLapOfAmerica.com, uh, com. all
0: spelled out. Uh, once again, thank you, Brock H. Jr., for being on the show. and We'll see you next time on the Classic Auto Model Podcast. Catch you then. Perfect.
1: We appreciate you listening to our show, and don't forget to come visit us in person next time you're in southeastern Pennsylvania. Admission is free, and our hours are on our website, ClassicAutoMall.com. You can reach us by telephone at 888-227-0914 or via email at info at ClassicAutoMall.com. To reach the show, email us at podcast at ClassicAutoMall.com. Classic Auto Mall podcast is produced by Car Smarts Media with music by the Pat Travers Band.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.